I'm old school. <laughs> I believe your reputation hits the door before you do. Twitter, you can have Facebook, you can have all that good stuff that may work for people. But if you're not prepared, if you're not on time, if you know the do's and the don'ts and stick to them, if you have integrity, if you come in prepared, if you don't wear a lot of cologne, if you don't try to shams, you know, a lot of people don't like being touched. I'm in there to do my job and leave. I'm not going to chit chat with you. You know, I don't need to know about your kids. I'm in there to perform a service and leave. Love that. I, sometimes like I went for an audition today. They said, come on in, DK. I looked around like, oh, oh they know me already. Nice. So maybe I've auditioned with them before. I, it's good to know people and know names, but it's more important that they know me. They know who I am before I get there. Right. He's going to. In. He's going to be on time. He's going to do the best that he can. He's going to give us straightforward what we need and maybe a little bit of a twist at the end, you know, something a little different the second time. I don't have Twitter, you know, I have Facebook, but, you know, I don't do too much that follow me, follow me. <laughs> you ever get the urge, though? There's no urge there to send out a tweet, not even a slightest. You know what? I'll be addicted. I'll be sitting here all day tweeting. I, I won't go outside. <laughs> I miss the seasons. I had to go off Facebook for a long time. I'd be late going to the city because I'm checking how many likes I have. <laughs> That's I so true. <laughs> Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. Don't forget to visit our refreshment center during the intermission or any time. You love the tasty array of snacks we have to offer. So will the youngsters. Everything is quality and mm, so good. We hope you'll make this a weekly visit. Bring the family. Bring your friends. There are always wonderful new pictures to see, delightful snacks to nibble, a gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Don't drive over 10 miles an hour in the theater area for your safety's sake. And mom or pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time. Come back soon. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I'm the host and producer of the show. I'm broadcasting from sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set and the moonlight is upon us. Thanks so much for joining me on this broadcast tonight. I want to remind our listeners that you can listen to all of the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Just look for Cinema After Dark. Remember, if you or someone you know, wants to be a guest on this show, make sure you reach out to me via the contact link on our website at cinemaafterdark.com. Please make sure you have some skin in the game prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you need to have a few credits under your belt. We certainly value that for credibility. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone that this is an information and discussion-based show. We do not censor ourselves or censor our guests, so please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on this show may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. I'm really excited about tonight's guest, a man by the name of D.K. Bowser, and let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Bowser. This man has done it all. I mean, he's got over 40 IMDb credits 
alone here, and he's done pretty much everything from stand-up comedy to film, theater to television. My God, he's just a wealth of information, and we have a fascinating, fascinating discussion here, and I want to give a special shout-out to R. Shanae Williams for providing this gentleman's contact information. I think you're going to find this a really valuable conversation, and I have to give him a fist bump for hanging out with us for so long. Uh, we have a very lengthy conversation here about his career, and my gosh, it's fascinating to say the least, and I think you're really in for a treat, but I've got to give this gentleman a fist bump for holding the phone up to his ear for such a long period of time, because we did have some issues there uh, that kind of happens, and I like to be transparent, but we did have some technical issues, so please you know, disregard the, uh, the, the clicks and the pops and the things of that nature that happen when you talk to someone that's holding a phone for such a long period of time, and my gosh, we've got to be so thankful to have this gentleman. So this is that part of the show where I ask that you make that fresh batch of popcorn, sit back, relax, get a little comfortable while you listen to tonight's guest. Goodness, thanks so much for coming on the show and hanging out with us this evening, Mr. Bowser. I am thrilled to have you <laughs> on the uh, the program. Bowser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to have you on the program, though, sir. I really am. And uh, first and foremost, I do want to give a shout out to Miss R. Shanae Williams for sending over your contact info. Certainly a fan of your work. And, uh, yeah, it's just nice to have you here tonight. So, again, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Max. It's, it's my honor, and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I got, got the days wrong. I was a little uh, <laughs> surprised that it was tonight. I did the 12 a.m., 12 p.m. thing kind of threw me, but I'm ready to go, as we say, ready to go. Good stuff. Um, I appreciate you making it happen, hanging out here after dark. But, yes, sir, I'd love to begin by giving our listeners some context. I believe a backstory is a great place to start. So would you mind sharing where you were born and raised and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Um, originally from Baltimore, Maryland. My father was in the Air Force, so I moved every two, two, three years. Wow. Lived in Italy for a few years and the Philippines for a few years and throughout the United States. I lived in Victorville, California for a while. And out of my neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I were out there now, man. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying, I know we were talking about that off air. I was saying that uh, I sort of missed that cold, but then again, I, I got to be careful what I wish for because, you know, being from Pittsburgh and all, but yeah, it gets kind of cold. Uh, what's it been like there? It's, it's fluctuating. It's crazy. We'll get snow one day, then the next day it'll be 50, then back down into the teens, the high will be in the 20s or mid 20s, and then it's going to warm up again this week, you know, and then it's going to get cold again. So it's you know, usually it's consistently cold. Yeah. But you know, you don't know how to dress now. You go outside with a with a boot and a flip flop. You don't know what. To do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hear you on that. Yeah, it's crazy this weather nowadays. But yeah, you were saying, yeah, uh, yeah military uh, sort of background there, Air Force. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a crazy life, but you don't realize it if that's all you know. You know, you 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 move around, you live in boxes. We, I, I never threw away boxes until I finally bought a condo. Wow. Yeah. Don't save the boxes. <laughs> you know, moving every two or three years, you keep boxes stashed because you know you're going to be taping up and packing up and, and, and moving again. So, wow, it's, no it's a big adjustment to actually be home. Yeah, yeah. When did things kind of stabilize with that? Did they ever? Uh, 
Jersey. Wow. Yeah, I moved to Jersey years ago, and uh, then I moved out on my own, you know, after graduating high school and get my own job, you know, and uh, even then I moved, but not quite as much, but it's always in the back of my mind that I'm only here temporarily. Wow, it's fascinating. It's interesting you bring that up, and not to get too off track, but you know, I think it's interesting even with this gen nowadays, nowadays it's called millennials or whatever, uh, I think people are starting to get used to it now because it's it's weird. I think everybody's getting jobs and has to move many times throughout their lives. So you often like have family members that are like spread all across the States or sometimes even out of country. But I can only imagine what it's like in a military type household, even though my father was in the army. Thankfully, we were able to stay. He was in the army prior to when we were born. So that helped out quite a bit. But and then afterwards, he was he was pretty much done. He did, you know, reserves and things like that. And but it was a little different. He didn't have to you know, cart us away too often. So I can only imagine how that was. What's interesting, too, about that is I find that a lot of the guests that I've had who've had military backgrounds have gone into uh, film. Uh, it's fascinating to say the least that commonality there. But when was it that you realized this was something that you wanted to do? I started off doing stand up. Mm-hmm. But stand up, I could never get enough. <laughs> Couldn't get that Thanksgiving feeling where you push away. Wow, I don't want any more. I'm done. Interesting. That Thanksgiving dinner feeling. I, I just couldn't. You know, if you do 15, it's good, but you want more. You do a half hour, you want more. You do an hour, you always end up saying, wow, I could have done this and I could have done that and I should have done this. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I, I started off with Tracy Morgan and, and Mike Epps. You know, we used yeah. to roll together. And I saw Mike Epps do a one-man show on the Lower East Side in New York, and he got me. <laughs> he was doing characters, and I, I called myself. I could see the characters he was doing. Right. I said, that's what I want. Well, that's what I want to do. Wow. So I, I asked him what acting class he was going to, and I joined, and I went. It just kind of took off from there, you know. I didn't even know I could do this. No one told me that I couldn't. So whenever somebody would suggest something, I always said yes. Wow. You know, I went from stand up to acting to voiceover to theater. Mm-hmm. The only thing I haven't tried yet is singing. But, you know, maybe that'll come along this year, this coming year. I did Fences. I did Troy Maxson and Fences. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, it started off just as a reading. And then they said, look, we're going to build a cast around you if you want to do this. And I didn't know what I was getting into. But what an experience. It was beautiful. Right. Once I was done, I said, I need a detox. I need to go lay down. (laughs) So you caught (laughs) the bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got me. Wow. Fascinating. So do you think that that stand-up, the experience you got from being on stage, really gave you the confidence to to really get into that theater work? Stand-up, I think, is the most difficult. Yeah. You have to go into a room full of people who you don't know. You don't know what their life is like. You know, whether they're going through a tragedy or Friday nights are always the hardest. They work all week. Then Friday they come out and it's like like lifting lead balloons, you know, ha, ha, ha. Okay, next one. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. You know, <laughs> Saturday they've rested up and they're look, the same jokes that kind of struggled on Friday right. out on Sunday. So you learn to read the room. You know, the acting and the stand-up comedy, they work hand-in-hand. You know, if you can develop characters and use them in stand-up, and the big thing with stand-up and acting all together is to be totally committed. Right. We can see when you're not all the way in. The audience sees you're not there. You know, so with the stand-up, to do the characters and to be fully in and and not afraid to fail in front of a room full of people, you know, it's not me, it's a character. And and not to take it personally, not, not to be 
too self-conscious, not self-conscious at all. Yeah. It's like all the way in, all the way. And, and then to be able to do a play like Fences, 90 pages, August Wilson, 90 pages of monologue and monologue and every emotion, the up and down, the, the joy, the sadness, the anger, the frustration. Yeah. And, and to be in the moment and to be able to hear the silence. Yeah. As you pause and you can hear the silence. They're all looking at you. You've you got them. And, and they've got you. Right. It's, it's, it's like relationship. Interesting. Live and breathing right then and there. So the stand up, they both enhance each other. Yeah. Hmm. So, Interesting hearing your perspective on that. By the way, have you had an opportunity to see the Fences film? Not yet. Yeah. Not yet, but I will. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see that. Plus, it was shot in my hometown. So definitely can't wait to check that out. Big Wilson oh. fan. So it's cool that you said that you had, you know, been involved with Fences too. That's uh, fantastic. I'm going to give Denzel the critique, see if he did it the right way <laughs> <laughs> i hear he puts it on the table you know i think he uh he lays it all out so i'm uh i'm really curious about him and uh, miss davis they both are yeah. they've got some big acting chops right there so hard to go wrong with Mr. those two he did the job he goes all in oh yeah love seeing him act but it's good seeing this you know get made so uh, yeah it's really curious about that it's cool that you You'll know it really well, so I can only imagine how it is when you're watching and having acted in it yourself. That's fascinating, to say the least. So it was it was a tough play to do, you know, the time difference, you know, when Troy's talking to his wife, telling Rose that, you know, I come here, I put a roof over your head, but I've got to have a girlfriend in order to live. Yeah. How do you tell your wife that? How do how do you how do you justify that to yourself right. in order to justify it to her? And yeah. I struggled with that. Yeah. I had the find older people and and ask them you know what does this mean how does this happen and you know women couldn't just leave and women were property back then more so than equal partners back in the 50s more so than well it's not like that at all now right mm-hmm. absolutely you know, to be able to tell your wife you know if i don't have her i will die and then to have the Rose has a, the girlfriend has a baby and, and dies during childbirth and he brings the baby home to Rose yeah. to rape. You know, I, I struggle like how I couldn't look. I, I was married. I couldn't look my wife in the face and say, look, I got to have this girlfriend. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for her to stay. Yeah, exactly. That's deep. As some of the stuff that both men and women went through then was uh, just fascinating to say the least. And it's good that we have film and theater for that matter to kind of study that and to kind of feel in their shoes because I don't, I've found that I can't really have those kind of conversations, but I know that with my father, when I was younger, it was difficult to have those kinds of discussions with him. And quite frankly, I didn't really understand, you know, I'm just was worried about young guy stuff. Then now I certainly have more questions and I can only imagine how um, beneficial it would be to kind of uh, explore some of those questions now. And we see that through the power of cinema. We get to see these stories play out on screen that are really portrayals of people's lives. And I think that's one of the beauties of film, uh, don't you? I don't know if I'd want to have a conversation with my father about that. It probably <laughs> wouldn't be a full conversation. You know, a hey, pop. How would you tell mom? You know what I mean? It have to be somebody. <laughs> right. Somebody. Right. Right. Uh, you know, that I didn't know or I, I knew and, and I could talk to and get the honest answer. Someone who grew yeah. up in that era. So, I, you know, I, I went to older people I know and I, I just talked to them about it. You know, what does how does this what was going on if this was OK? 
Right. They didn't have to end it like, oh, I can't tell my son about this. You know, I can't tell my son, you know, whether he did it or not. You know, that's just another whole different story. But <laughs> right. Yeah. He's not going to admit to me, oh, yeah, I had a girlfriend too, you know, and uh, this is what it meant. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I don't even want to. Yeah, it doesn't go down like that. That's the thing that's fascinating to think about film. We can really explore some of these uncomfortable uh, situations, to say the least. Uh, I, I, yeah. I really like that about the. Even with the film, the film doesn't speak to how he was able to yep. do it. Right. right. He could do it. He will say it in, on, on, on screen that, yes, Rose, I need this or I will die. I provide you with food and a roof. But how does he get there? Yeah. What, how does he live there? What's the lifestyle? What, what's what's the, uh, you, you know you know what I'm saying? Oh, how, yeah, absolutely. How, how, how living? Yeah. If he's going to do it, he's going to be very convincing doing it. But as an actor, I have to know why, how, how I can say this, how I can come out my face to my wife and tell her, yes, I have a girlfriend. Right, right. Without her eye. Yeah. It was more than just saying the words. It was, how do, how do I how do I understand this for myself so that I can tell this woman I'm acting my wife? Yeah. And, and let her know that this is real right hmm. i'm curious to hear your perspective after you watch it now you have me really itching to watch it myself so <laughs> i gonna make that yeah. happen it's gonna be uh really good to say the least now you have close to 40 acting credits just on imdb alone which i think is ridiculously remarkable i mean that's really uh a testament to all the hard work that you've uh put in over the years and you've been on pretty much every platform there is. It's fascinating even hearing that you did stand-up uh, too as well. Is there a role or roles in general that stick out as some of your favorites? Troy Max and August Wilson, that's a high point. Yeah. I've, everything I've done, every, everything is a challenge. Everything is different. There's no repetition. There's no, you know, well, I've done this before. You know, everything is new and challenging. And, and I did a, this is what people around here like the most. I did an episode of Rescue Me yeah. with, with, with uh, Dennis Leary and the whole crew. Right. Mm -hmm. I played I played a male stripper. <laughs> but if you but but I'm not I'm not a male stripper body guy. I'm not that, you know, boxing <laughs> kind of what it was was the scene was one of the characters had uh, was in the hospital recovering from cancer. They had shipped in and paid the bill for him. Mm-hmm and send me in to goof on him. So I go in as uh, orderly and I bring the uh, gurney, the um, med card in and I tell him I need to get a semen sample. A doc wants to make sure it didn't, you know, mess with your reproductive and he's laying in bed. And he's like, what? I said, <laughs> yeah, I gotta fill this cup up and I reach under the blanket. He says, no, 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 get back. I said, no, you're, you're nervous. I understand. No problem. I got something for that. I go over to the uh, med card. I pull out a boom box. I start playing disco music. And brutal. I strip out of out of these scrubs. Oh, brutal! <laughs> in a thong, and I don't know. I was thinking about it. I don't know if they told him I was going to do that. Ah, the action! They, they had to move. Video Village is where they set up the uh, monitors so they can watch what's going on through the camera. Right, right. They had to actually stop and move it because they were laughing so hard. <laughs> what happened was. I said, I said, okay, I got something for it. I put the music on, and I ripped the scrubs off, and his eyes got wide, and he just laid there. He's looking at me. <laughs> and, I dance, and I walk over to him, and he starts going, cut, cut, oh, cut. <laughs> and the, the boom, the, the, the mic guy, the boom guy, his, he was shaking. He was turning his head not to laugh. I could hear him laughing out in the hallway. Okay, stop. We got to move. <laughs> oh, hilarious. That, 
well, I went to the audition and I went, I said, what the heck? I've got nothing to lose. You know, it's I wear a thong. So oh, I had a my. thong my clothing. <laughs> and I went and I looked around to see who else was in the room. I said, okay, this guy, I think I can get him. This guy, I think I can do better than him. But there was one other guy I saw. He had like uh, the sweatpants with the uh, snaps down the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I said, this is the guy I got to be here. So when I went in for the audition, I said, I've got a thong on now. And the, the, the guy I was reading with, he goes, no, 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 I don't need to see that. I don't need to see it. And go behind the camera and says, let's see what he's got. So as I'm doing the audition, I'm looking him dead in the eye. I'm daring him to look down. I know he wants to look down at the thong, but I'm looking him dead in the eye. And I pop my shirt off, I drop my pants, and I'm dancing. And he's looking at me, he goes, man, I can't believe it. We have topless scenes. I never get those. I always get this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Brutal. High point for me. <laughs> <laughs> did you prepare for that? Or did you just go with whatever came to mind, you know, the day of? I'm just a guy trying to make a living. You want me to go in there and dance for a hundred bucks? That that was my character. My character was just a guy trying to make a living. There's no sexuality involved here. I'm not going to play the stereotypical what everybody thinks. I'm just a guy making a living. Oh my! Crawled up on the bed and he was trying to crawl away, and it was hilarious. <laughs> How much of it was kept? Did a lot of it make it into that final cut? Oh yeah, but so much so <laughs> that my my mother was crying on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> my father couldn't get on the phone. My mom says, you're doing porno. Oh, television. No, no, we saw your whole rear end. <laughs> but it's not porno, my. It's it's television. <laughs> so, uh, God, you're killing me. Yeah, it, it was, that was fun. That was fun. Oh, good stuff. My gosh. So you, well, really take something from every role, it seems. And that's uh, fantastic. I want to talk about roles in a second here, but... You know, a few actors have come on this show. You know, I've talked to a bunch of casting directors, too, and we talk about the importance of like Twitter presence and Instagram followers and all the social media stuff. What's interesting about you, sir, is you seem to receive a lot of work, but certainly fly under the radar. I mean, you are someone that I have to say really does a good job of kind of just flying under the radar. I got to know, what are your thoughts regarding the importance of social media in general and uh, is a strong presence uh, as important as people say it is. I'm old school. <laughs> I believe your reputation hits the door before you do. Twitter, you can have Facebook, you can have all that good stuff that may work for people. But if you're not prepared, if you're not on time, if you know the do's and the don'ts and stick to them, if you have integrity, if you come in prepared, if you don't wear a lot of cologne, if you don't try to shans, you know, a lot of people don't like being touched. I'm in there to do my job and leave. I'm not going to chit chat with you. You know, I don't need to know about your kids. I'm in there to perform a service and leave. Love that. That's sometimes like I went for an audition today. They said, come on in, DK. I looked around like, oh, they know me already. Nice. So maybe I've auditioned with them before. It's good to know people and know names, but it's more important that they know me. They know who I am before I get there. Right. He's going to. In. He's going to be on time. He's going to do the best that he can. He's going to give us straightforward what we need and maybe a little bit of a twist at the end, you know, something a little different the second time. I don't have Twitter, you know, I have Facebook, but, you know, I don't do too much that follow me, follow me. <laughs> you ever get the urge, though? There's no urge there to send out a tweet, not even the slightest. 
you know what? I'll be addicted. I'll be sitting here all day tweeting. I won't go outside. <laughs> I miss the seasons. I had to go off Facebook for a long time. I'd be late going to the city because I'm checking how many likes I have. <laughs> I want to so do true. it. <laughs> I refuse to get the messenger on my phone because they tell me I have to have it if I want to read my. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Understood. Oh, hilarious. Come on. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay. I argue with the computer. Come on. Stop. I got to leave. I got to go. Okay. One more look. Let me see who liked it. Nice. No, no, no. Nice. That's cool, though. I like that, though. Old school approach. I like that. It's a good deal. Now, because of that, though, do you find it's more important to have, talk about reputations, have, you know, an agent or, a, you know, a strong manager? Because I know you recently signed with a major talent agency yourself. Would you mind kind of sharing the importance of that aspect of the industry? Because I know there's a lot of people who may be listening to this podcasts who want to figure out how to get started or maybe they think that they need an agent right away or they need this huge social media presence i don't know what's your thoughts on all that the most important things things you could only make a first impression one time so true i wouldn't want to be green trying to find management i'd want to be as honest as i can i don't want to fluff my resume and then get busted because of my reputation my integrity i do I still do when I get a chance. I do work with the universities, the, the NYU and Columbia. Right. I work with their students. I'll do their SAG indie films. I'll go to NYU to their theater, and when they have an assignment, they need actors to come in so that they can be great. I work my chops. I work, and I work with new up-and-coming. The next big is going to come from one of these colleges here. Absolutely. Right. Whoever it is. And hopefully they'll remember, wow, that guy DK came out. He helped me. Let me see if I can get a hold of him. I was able to go down to North Carolina for a month and do a play on civil rights. Mm, nice. Uh, just off of what a student at NYU saw me do there. I didn't have to audition. They sent me a ticket and I went down and stayed a month down there. Mm. And it was fantastic. You know, it was, it was, I don't think that they thought down there in the city that in Raleigh, that it was going to be as big as it was. Yeah. But by the second or third show, I mean, they had the mayor and the press and the, one of the actual students who the play was around showed up with his grandchildren and they had a big to do, but getting out and doing anything I can to work my craft. That way, when I do start looking for management or an agency, I can go in and be fully prepared. Right. Not green. There's little things that are dead giveaways. Yeah. You know, your resume is not set up the right way. Mm -hmm. There's a right way to set up a resume. I do voiceover work also. Most new people, if they make a mistake, they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, that's not the way to go. Right. If you make a mistake, you <clears throat> clear your throat and start over again. Right. Just right. clear your throat. <clears throat> start over again. In the editing, they'll take out all the mistakes and the coughs. You know, we, we don't talk like commercials. Commercials is straight through, no mistakes, no errors, no breath. Right. In real life, we don't do that. So <clears throat> pick it up and go. The industry, the, the big boys, the people who are casting, they know this. Yep. So if I go in and I'm still a little green, they may want me, but I'm not ready. I was told that when they get down, say they bring in 10 guys yeah. and they get down to three, they start looking for what we don't want now. Exactly. We've got three guys, three guys equally balanced. we got all three to all three of these guys can do the job. Now let's see what we don't want about. Right. So in order for me to stay ahead of the curve, I have to be able to be fully prepared. You know, I'll introduce myself. Good afternoon, DK. Thanks for having me come in. Yes, thank you. Thank you for seeing me again. You know, let them know that I'm easy to work with. I'm not going to be a diva. I'm going to be on time. Yeah. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to come, you know, 
I auditioned for uh, an exterminator today. I went dressed nice. not not in an exterminator outfit, yeah. but you know you see that this guy I knew he was blue collar. He didn't go in with you know the, uh, a button up shirt, right? You know, mm-hmm. Like a flannel shirt, right? With something under had it open, you know, like a, like a blue collar working guy. Yep. Uh, people do have success without. Yeah, but it's important but to dress the part and be the part. It's important to dress the part, be the part, and have representation because say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freelance and I go in and I start hitting on the girls. Who are they going to hold accountable? Oh, jeez, yeah. It happens, right? Yep. It happens. We, you know, honestly speaking, you get all types. You know, we're a flamboyant sort of wacky bunch. That's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> That's why I like hanging out with you, you actors, because you all are the misfits. <laughs> we're the dented cans. Indeed. We're Santa's toys. <laughs> Love that. Who was it that said, why do we act? Why do I act? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So it's good to have representation, but even before that, it's good to be prepared. You know, work your chops, work your craft, become fearless, become the character. Anything you hold back, you're only cheating yourself. How can you do that? How can I not? It's right. not me, it's the character. I play drug dealers, and sometimes I have to I have to detox because I find myself walking down the street in New York like I'm some kind of tough guy, and I'm not. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Slow down here. Yeah. Get ready to get beat up out here looking at people the wrong way. You're not in character right now. Come on back down to earth there, DK. <laughs> nice. If you do it right, it takes you. If yeah. you do it right. If you yeah. do it right. Oh, it's good and stuff. You know, you know, you don't know until you know, you know. Right. I got you and you got me. We're in this together, you know. Yeah. Salute to that. Yeah. Oh, my. Now, as a man of color, I've got to ask you this question. Do you find it difficult to find roles that are appealing to you? Because I tell you what, as a man of color who directs and and is a film enthusiast, I get a little bit irritated when I look at the types of roles that I see men of color in or not in when I watch movies. They don't pick us for the bonds. So we got to create those roles often. But I need to get a, a sense of your thoughts on you know, the, the available roles that are out there for men of color that are written for men of color. Cause I know a lot of casting now are going for that, you know, ethnically ambiguous type of character, but you know, being someone who's got some, you know, boots on the ground, what are your thoughts about the industry in general and particularly how men of color are portrayed in the available roles that you have to select from a loaded question, by the way, I need to watch how I answer this one. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. It's tough about this, by the way. It's interesting you say that. I always find myself biting my tongue. But if me and you were to talk off air, I would certainly probably answer that a little differently. So let's get the, you don't have to be politically correct, but obviously industry correct (laughs) in terms of your thoughts about that, because I think it's often very frustrating uh, amongst other things. But yeah, it'd be nice to hear your perspective. The frustration can lead to us forcing us to do our own yes rather than relying on someone else to give us our own right crazy sometimes take a look at what we do uh, certain films i see that i is for us by us but i don't know if i'd want to be a part of it absolutely i'm not going to mention any right now but but we're forced to do our own we know we know how it is we know how it is let's just not bullshit you know we know how it is yeah limited roles you know right now on television you know and on the movies you know there you, you have this one you have that one you have the black one you have the gay one you have the asian one you have the lesbian okay but there's only a limited amount there are a limited amount yep. we should we need to start doing more of our own and if we want not to 
complain or feel left out, well, God bless the child that's got his own. Yep. Right. Let's start making our own. You know what I mean? It, it really. You know, yeah. look, look at the stone paralysis. Exactly. Look, 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 at, look, at, look at some of the, look at some of the internet shows that are getting picked up now. Yep. Look right. at how, you know, you know, that, uh, awkward, what is it? Uh, not awkward black girl. There's another one. Um, that was one too. Yeah. Even yeah. that, Dave, and that was, a. Uh, but you know what's interesting, sir? It's interesting you mentioned this because I think one of the things that I really appreciate about being a man of color and just a person of color in general is that we are a very resilient uh, ethnicity and race. We really find ways out of no ways. We've done that all throughout history. And I think cinema is a perfect example of that. You know, obviously, there's there's just a lot of unfortunates when it comes to you know the types of roles that are out there and the types of films that are being made, even within our own race and ethnicity, oftentimes people fall into those stereotypical roles that really aren't a great reflection of our entire society or, uh, or even our even on human behavior. It's really not accurate. It's sometimes just written because we think that that's what people want to see, uh, or we, th- we have fallen into believing that we should be projected or presented a certain type of way. And I feel like people like you and others that are really industry to understand the power that we have in changing that and by creating our own work, and uh, it's, it's good to hear you say that, you know, you can take a situation that's unfortunate and turn it into something that is fortunate and that is positive. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an opportunity to, to change, to evolve and to do something about it. But I always wonder how actors feel because uh, I know sometimes that's got to be very, very uh, frustrating uh, because it is a job and it'd be like going into any job uh, and all that you get to play. But it's like it's going into a job and only getting certain types of jobs that are being offered that you know you're overly qualified for yeah it's uh it's really interesting the types of stuff that's going on there but what have you seen recently in terms of any changes in the industry in terms of roles well i saw the uproar over the what was it the oscars yeah you know and and you know the the uproar there and you know the the awareness that that created um you know we, we we know it's not like I can say, oh, it's not happening or, oh, it's getting better. You know, maybe it is, but I like working with the students because they have the freedom to create and they will be the next ones out of the gate. Right. And they won't be so jaded. They won't be so stuck on stereotypical, you know? Yes. The younger people, the younger people who are writing, who are writing uh, these fantastic stories about, uh, a few years back, they were writing about Katrina. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just the black students. It was the, you know, the, the white students that to become aware of, of things going on and, and, and they want to understand, you know, their love for rap music. It just opens up a whole different world that, you know, maybe in the fifties, it wouldn't be possible. Yeah. You know, the blacks, when I, when I go to NYU and I go to Columbia, you know, they have me come there quite often, you know, so there's something, something's going on. It may not be the big screen right now, but but something's going on. Something's going on. Yeah, their eyes are different. You know, it's not the old John Wayne. You know, and not the old you know um, the white hero coming into Tokyo teaching the Tokyo people how to do karate. Right. Or the you know what I mean? Or yeah. or, or the basketball, the the white shadow coming exactly. in. Exactly. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a much more diverse and open-minded culture, and yeah, it's um, it's good. It's good definitely good it doesn't it doesn't make sense to it you know of course i feel it but the, the, the anger will cause me to shut down and become bitter and i know a lot of people get bitter oh, that's so true and the, the bitterness you know it, it hampers the creativity you know it stifles it yep kills the energy right there that's a 
Christianity, you know, so, you know. Absolutely. I watch the people, you know, look at the fact that fences is being made. Yep. Red yep. tails. Yep. Uh, uh, even, even, well, I can't say, I'm not going to say that one because that was kind of a joke. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Django, but, you know. <laughs> but it was good. It was, uh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Good, good, good stuff. Good hearing your perspective. I appreciate you discussing that a little bit. I know uh, oftentimes as you know, men of color, we're on the other end of that uh, question often. And you know, I hate to be one of those individuals that ask you that. But then it's so important for me to ask you that question because I really want to know, you know, how it makes you feel. And obviously, I want to talk to someone about it. So, yeah, but this may not be the venue right now. Right. right. <laughs> it's good hearing your perspective, though. <laughs> right, all of a sudden, I'm not getting work anymore. Yeah, we heard you. We heard what you said, buddy boy. Would you know what, though? I think deep down, people understand. I mean, it's just kind of like the nature of the industry. And I think you know, those that are making the decisions know it only benefits the industry to have a more diverse product. It's always paid off. It's always done well. You know, when you look at people of color, every time we've been on TV, for the most part, the shows have taken the networks to the next level. So, you know, let me not even get into that. And obviously with cinema, we always support cinema. We've been supporting cinema for a while. So there's just some stupidity, I think, by uh, those in control in terms of losing a big part of their market by not um, including females in addition to uh, women, uh, men and uh, men of color, women of color in a lot of different types of roles. Not only that, but Asians, Hispanics, et cetera, multi-ethnic people. I think there's an opportunity there to uh, really expand the uh, the viewer. Uh, so let me not even uh, go there with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to this one because I know that sometimes if you look like somebody who beat one of the casting people up in high school or grade school, you won't get the part. So it's a very, very <laughs> fine line that we want. You took my girlfriend. You look like this kid took my girlfriend in fourth grade. You're not working here anymore. Whoa, whoa, wait, hold on a minute. Right. So, you know, intellectually, we know we're connected on that. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> you let me hang myself there. I appreciate that. Good stuff. Hey, you walk that one by yourself. I'm standing here trying to, I'm trying to give you the high sign, but you can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it just frustrates me, especially because, um, you know, as a, as a creator, you know, as a director myself, a filmmaker, I, I try, I try to consciously be aware of that all of the time and, you know, how important it is for individuals such as myself to try to change what I can change, but also be honest about storytelling. You, know, you just don't go in for the sake of trying to change, but you got to have that in the back of your head all the time. It always plays out. You know, as I'm writing a character, I'm like, is this character going to be cliched? Is this a character that I would want to play if I were obviously uh, auditioning for this particular role? What is the importance of the role? How are people going to perceive it? So there's a lot of things that go into it because the chances are so limited that you want to make sure that you put your best foot forward and one that you will feel proud about, I think, in the long run. So just things that I uh, think about. So I appreciate that. What do you think about Boys in the Hood? Something like that. Great flick. I think it's fantastic. Perfect for its time too as well really something that changed cinema and uh yeah. it's you know it's so overlooked uh sometimes i think it's overlooked uh, its importance of that film uh in so many different ways uh such good acting in that film too by the way but i mean the, the thought that we're going to do what we want and we're going to tell our story i think the story itself yeah is good but the fact that ice cube and the crew put it together right like much like spike lee does this is our thing we're going to do it and there's massive success but they weren't worried about you know so much uh yeah what anybody judgment. thought 
Yep. They didn't give a yeah. damn what anybody thought. They just made it happen. And I think we they see... They kept it true. They kept yep. the truth to the character, to the neighborhood, to the life that they were living. Right. If you build it, they will come, I guess. Right, right. And I love it and appreciate that about that film and so many others, too. One thing I will say here, just before switching gears, is that one of the things that I that disappoints me sometimes is we always get put in this urban category. And I think maybe 1% of my, all of my experiences have ever been anything urban related. So I think sometimes that's very disappointing when, you know, all black experiences. And I think Trump even says that every time he says something about, you know, black folks, it's always urban related. He always uses this urban terminology as if we only exist in an urban spectrum. I, I think it's outrageous. And I think cinema, when that happens, is also outrageous. We have all different types of stories, just like everybody else. We've got all different types of occupations, um, interests, desires. Everything that you would see on the market right now is really human behavior. And oftentimes I feel a little irritated when we're lumped into certain categories that I feel are very divisive. So I will take uh, that irritation, take that frustration and write your story. And don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? I, exactly. I wrote a short film and I found out as I started writing it, it started writing itself. Yep. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's takes on the life of its own. Absolutely. That's been me, and really. I, yep. I can tell you that's been me for really the last 10 years out here. I, I've um, mm-hmm. been motivated to do that because you, you got to use that energy in the really productive ways. I'm always I'm a big fan of that. So I'm so glad that you Either said sit on it or it fits on you one or the other. Absolutely. Work it out. Yeah. Right on to that. Well said right there. Now, is there a character or a role that you wanted to play, but you haven't had an opportunity to play that character or role yet? I want it recurring either on something like Gotham. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. As a villain or a, a like a superhero or as a bystander or something like that, what would you want to do? I want a superhero character. I want to be like Red Velvet Cake Man or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I don't want somebody who's, you know, hammy or anything. I want somebody who's right. strong. I red velvet cake man just came off the top. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would be a strong character, but I would say <laughs> I'd be one of those ones it's hard not to like. <laughs> nice. I shouldn't like you, but I like red velvet. You're all right. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Or recurring on law and order, you know, so, something, you know, with, with some substance to it and something I wouldn't want to be like a recurring role in Pootie Tang. Right, right. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, you know, that was a good, good story. Good film. It was funny. You know, yeah. you know, soul playing, you know. yeah there's a difference, though. There's definitely a difference. Yeah. I want I want something that's established and something that's real and something that that I can grow into and grow as an actor and become even more fearless, you know. And right. I see the people doing these shows for years and years and years, and I'm like, wow! I I, I did the episode of uh, I'm always the guy who's like going to Guantanamo Bay or yeah. or getting arrested for being a pimp or something like that. You know, that part is frustrating, but I'm paying my dues. Right. Right. I do is I'm working my way up the ladder. Maybe eventually I'll be like Anthony Anderson or maybe Denzel. Right. You know, but, yeah. but I think it's I've overdue. Got, you're you're due for a, a really you know gripping role, something that's that's got a, a bit of longevity in it, where you can really uh, grow with the character over time. Well, what I have to do right now, keep doing my work. Salute to that. I can't get I can't get angry and let the anger become. A lot of times, actors and even stand up comedians they get bitter. Right. 
Right. If people come along and pass them by. Okay, it's just a turn. Right. You know, it doesn't mean my turn's not coming, but I've got to keep, you know, keep my due diligence, keep doing my work, keep studying. Yes. You know, I go to NYU and do free work. That way, you know, my timing is on and I'm picking up and I'm not afraid to go to an audition because I know what I'm doing. Absolutely. You know, I know what I'm doing. You know, sometimes I'll go to my agency and I'll see cold submit headshots or resumes. They don't even trim a picture. Your headshot is eight by 10. Right. Your resume paper is 11 by 14. Right. Some people don't even trim. They don't trim the excess. I mean, yep. well, come on, that right into the garbage. Right. You know what I'm saying? The, the, oh, the, yeah. the backstory, the, 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 the grunt work to get in there, have my resume set up the way it's supposed to be set up. And there are people who will tell you. If I take right. an acting class, don't just take an, an, an acting class. Take an acting class with somebody who's got connections, too. Absolutely. Who's going to say, okay, take this off your resume. We don't need that. Right. Take, take this off. Put this up here and move this over to here. And the things that casting directors and, and people look for are different than what an actor. Right. We, we want to make it sound all grandiose and big, and I've got all these credits, but they can see right through that. Right. They, they can tell they can tell by where you put your height and your weight. You know what I mean? Like they look at it. They do this every day. It's like an auto mechanic, you know. Oh, yeah, you need brakes. How do you know? I heard when you come in, they're grinding. Right. right. They know, they know. They do this every day. Right. It's my job to try to find someone to tell me so that I get a foot in the door, so that I can get a role and maybe a recurring. And maybe have a a, a role in a movie like like Senses. Right. Or, or a recurring on Law and Order or a recurring on, on Gotham. You know, right. I've got to do my work. I can't, you know, just, just like we were talking about, you know, the, the roles that are available to us. Well, you know what? If I can't find a role, I got to need to write my own. Right. I need right. to I, I need to get out there and get involved with somebody else who's who's going places. This show on HBO now, Insecure. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where'd that come from? Mm -hmm. Did she wait for somebody to say, okay, we got a role for you? Or did she create her own? Hell yeah. Internet, all this other stuff out here now, man, come on. Yep. Netflix is opening up. Exactly. There's a lot of good content on there now, especially with the Netflix produced. Ooh, so much. Yeah. Ah, good hearing your perspective on that. We're getting close to our break time here. How do you prepare for a role? Would you mind kind of taking our listeners through your preparation process? And again, folks, this man is ready. Ready. I mean, you, you I love that. I love that you uh, have that uh, fire. There. It's passion. That's what it's all about right there. But uh, yeah. One o'clock. And I'm standing up walking back and forth. Love that. Love that. How do I prepare? Yeah. Through classes and asking questions and mentors. Yeah. Does my character wear lace up shoes or slip ons? Right. If I go out to my character's car right now, what's on his radio? Does he have an A track? Does he have a CD? Does he have a. Is he listening to Rick James? Is he listening to Frank Sinatra? Is he listening to Tony Bennett? What kind of music does he listen to? How far did he go in school? Where are his parents from? Right. Were his parents educated, blue collar? Were, were they professors? All the threads that I can put in. Love that. Character. All the threads that I could put in. Single child, big family, small family. Yeah. Relationships with family members, relationships with friends, drugs, married, divorced, bitter, angry, happy. All this, all this adds to a fully fleshed out character. I right. just, I just can't go in there and just read the words. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Yeah. When I saw to those characters he wasn't just mimicking he did them so real yeah that got me right right got me. He's, he's talking to somebody who's not there and i can see the person and i snapped out of it i was like shit that, <laughs> yeah that's what i want to do yeah. stand up comedy. it's fun you know it's it's, it's it's scary it's it's challenging 
But to be able to take you into my world and create and have you follow me, have that's, you follow me, I've got to know yeah. as much as I can about that character as I possibly can. The movie magic he, happens. Home on his hair, you know, does he, is he conceited? Is, is he shy? Is he, is he, because all that affects. I did a reading one time where I played a drug dealer yeah. and I had mom selling drugs in school and a teacher had him expelled so we grab her and we we take her in a car and i'm in the back seat and i'm forcing myself on her and it, we're doing a reading just a reading and i lost myself and the reader says he grabs her around her neck and licks her face from her jaw all the way up to above her eyebrows oh wow yoked her and i licked her and put my tongue right on her face <laughs> and she started crying but she stayed in character yeah afterwards we left. She asked me out on a date. <laughs> I lost myself in the character. He was a hardcore, cool, ruthless. And it was only a reading. Yeah. Not only a reading, but it wasn't a production. It was a reading, just sitting there in chairs, right. reading in front of them. And I got so caught up in the character. I felt a little bad afterwards, but she thanked yeah, me. Yeah. So much. That's honest, though. That's honest storytelling right there. That's being in character. So I appreciate that personally as a filmmaker myself. So I, yeah, I'm always fascinated when I hear the methodology behind getting to that point, I always think it's um, it's like a switch sometimes that sometimes hard to turn on other times turns on rather quickly, flick it real quick. And it's always got to be honest. So it's interesting hearing your thoughts on that. My God. And uh, before we go to our break here, sir, what qualities does a good actor possess? Honesty got to be fearless. They've got to know why they're telling the story as they're telling it. Sometimes, like what I just said, I got lost. I got caught in a character. I have to go all the way. I, I can't be judging myself. You know, you can see that. I have to be willing to, to, to fall. Love that. To be willing to fail. But it's not me. It's the character. I give myself to this character right now. I did a reading of Paradise Lost. It's, the, it's Satan's story. Yeah. Where he's talking to God saying, you know, how could you do this to me? And I'd never even considered that Satan would have a story. Yeah. I believe in God. You know, I'm not a devil worshiper or anything like that. Right. But as I'm studying this reading, I had dreams and I, I very rarely dream. The first dream was I was dancing with a snake around my shoulder. Oh, and wow. I've got my head, I've got his head in my right hand and I look over and he looks at me and I squeeze the head and it pops and I wake up. The head just like goes to like, like just mush. And I wake up, I go back to sleep and I'm dancing with a rose bush around my shoulder now and it's pricking me and I wake up. So I go to do the reading and I guess I was so in character that one of my other devil angels has a line. So I do my monologue and I'm waiting for him to come in. He doesn't say anything. And I look over at him and he's staring at me mm. and I had to say, Arthur, Arthur. And he snapped out of it. Mm. After the reading was done, friends of mine who had come to see it, these church ladies, they said, you're never doing that piece again. <laughs> I said, why? He said, because you start to look like the devil. You start to take on devil. That's why Arthur was staring at me. Wow. Wow. And I still pick and choose what I do, but, you know, you've heard of, like with the, the uh, what was it, the Batman movies where it's a very, very dark part, the Joker. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, Jack Nicholson was it that said it's a dark part? Oh, yeah, was it Jack? Yeah, I can't recall. He gave the guy who died. Uh, oh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, he told him, he said, it's a very dark part. Be yeah. careful. Yeah. Very, very dark part. Yeah. You know, it's 
you give yourself to it, you got to watch what you're giving yourself to. That's the that's the quality of a good actor. Right. They go all out. They go all in. You know, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Here's Johnny. Um, Gary Oldman. I said everyone in, right. in the profession. Yep. Harvey Keitel, mm, Mad yeah. Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. They go all in. They're not. You know, he, he's he's dancing naked. Right. He's out of his mind, and he's laughing and crying at the same time. Right. You have to be a bit of an insane to be an actor. <laughs> I love There's that. A bit of insanity to it. There is. Oh. There's got to be. Yeah. Who, who, who would volunteer to do this in front yeah. of people? With right. a cameraman and lights and and boom and makeup and everybody standing there looking at you, yeah. who would who would dance in a thong? <laughs> <laughs> or want to be Red Velvet Man? Oh my, <laughs> sorry, Red Velvet Man. You're right. <laughs> uh, that's a good place. We're gonna we're gonna segment out here and we'll take a uh, short break here, sir, because I want to give you a chance to reset. You've been so kind and sharing your time. I know I've kept you a little bit longer than I usually do during these uh, this first segment, but it's been a fantastic discussion. I've been uh, glued to the edge of my seat here just listening to everything that you have kindly shared, but I want to give you a chance to reset and we'll give our listeners a chance to reset because I do want to come back here and discuss recent work when we return from our break. How does that sound to you? Sounds good to me. Fantastic. Well, folks, we're going to take a short break here, and then we will be back with Mr. DK Bowser. My God. (laughs) After this break, do not go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. back to the show we are continuing a wonderful 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 discussion here with mr dk bowser and he's so kindly discussed his journey into the industry shared a little bit about his experiences as an actor and my gosh it's been just an enlightening discussion but for this half of the discussion i really want to switch gears here a bit i I really want to discuss some of the current projects that you've been working on or have wrapped. I see you've got several that you have wrapped recently. It's been working your tail off here, sir. And first, I have to ask you what it was like working with Arshanae Williams in Paralysis because obviously I had her on the show and it was so fun having her discuss everything about this film and I loved it and I loved what you did with Jessica's father, a character in the film, such a critical part of the film even in a short it's amazing how important the performances are and what you bring to that particular character but uh, you did just a wonderful job you know you obviously had an opportunity to work with miss fairweather too as well but you know what was that experience like for you we'll start there but i, I do want to kind of pick your brain on that how when what that experience was like and just hear it from your perspective since we've had you know her on the show the experience overall was wonderful yeah I ran into her in the city, and I, I think she was one of the ones that I had met through NYU. Yeah, I remember she mentioned that. To, you know, being out and doing as much as you can and keeping fluid and, you know, and, and working your chops. And she saw me and we spoke. I want to use you. I want to use you in a film. I got a film. And I said, sure, whatever. You know, definitely. Yeah. I committed to it, and I was diagnosed with lymphoma. 
Oh, cancer. Wow. I remember you saying that. Wow. And um, I didn't want to do it. I was supposed to shoot on a Sunday morning. We went to rehearsal and I knew and I, I just wasn't ready to talk about it. With a cancer diagnosis, they tell you you have it, but they don't tell you right away what to do other than get an oncologist. Wow. So I'm carrying this all around inside. You know, am I going to live? I don't know. Am I going to die? I don't know. What would you do? I don't know. I had to get an oncologist. It took like a month, a month and a half. So I'm just walking around in a daze with this on my head. I've got cancer. I've got cancer. Wow. Nobody will tell me. So we go to the rehearsal and I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this information in the character. It'll play into the character, the confusion, his daughter. His daughter is being having these nightmares and, and, and the, the, the demons and, you know, she's she's cutting herself or so it seems and her mother died not too long ago and I want to protect her, but there's nothing I can do because she's just like her mom. She won't listen. She's going to do her own thing. And, and, and utilizing what I was going through at that time, giving it to Roman, the, the character, and dealing with her through those emotions. Yeah. You know, I, I could have shut down. I could have said, you know, I'm not going to do this or, or I can't do it because I'm medical. But I had made a commitment and I, 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 I had to stick to it. Oh, I love that. Aren't you glad you did? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I, am. I, yeah. I definitely am. You know, um, uh, uh, the universe gives us gifts if, if we're aware enough to to be open to them. You know, I went and shot and it was a beautiful experience. I was quiet. I stayed to myself because you know, you, you know why, you know, am I going to die? What am I going to do? You know, is this going to be my, is this going to be my last film? Wow. Is this going to be the last time I'm ever, th these are all thoughts that are running through my head. I don't know if it's a slow growing cancer or fast growing aggressive. I, I don't know anything. Yeah. All I know is that in this moment I have to be this character and I'm going to use the confusion and the pain and the insecurity and the insanity in this scene with mm. my daughter. Powerful. My God. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. So as I was leaving, once the, the, the day was wrapped, you know, I, I was, you know, once, once you find out you're sick, you want to eat organic and do all these healthy foods and, you know, no sugar and all that. You know, we all go through the same thing, you know, not knowing if it really makes a difference, but, yeah. you know, doing what we can now. They ordered Popeyes and they had chicken and it smelled <laughs> good, but I, but I knew I couldn't eat it. You know, I'm like, shit. <laughs> so I go sit in my car and I'm feeling sad and sorry for myself and I'm right. in Harlem. And I look out the window, right, I parked right in front of an organic, vegan, Jamaican restaurant. Oh, wow. Organic, nice. vegan, Jamaican restaurant. Yeah, that's rare. I looked over, I said, I don't remember this being here when I parked my car. But it wasn't open and I wasn't looking for it. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. I said, thank you, God. This, this is just a little glimpse of, it's going to be all right. <laughs> I got you. You're going to go through some shit. You're going to go through, you're going to go through some stuff, definitely. Right. But in the moment, I got you. So I got out and I got this organic Jamaican vegan beans and and it was delicious and and, and vegetables and and you know I never I would eat vegetables, but I wasn't like a big vegetable guy. Yeah, big piece of meat and a potato, and I'm good to go. I know, me too. I hear you on that. <laughs> but I started eating, and the food was delicious, and I kind of nice. felt I felt okay. I felt good, you know. So I I, I became even more joyful that I, I was able to keep my word. I was able to deliver. I was able to use what I had, you know, the character development that you talked about yeah. earlier, you know, you asked the question, right. use what was there. Wow. I had to use along, along with, you know, was the, uh, 
he owned his own business. He owned the, the, the club and, you know, yep. how did he get it? What, how did he have to do it? What did he have to do? How did he get the money? Did he come from wealth? Did he have to scrape together? Did he borrow money? The whole nine, along with what really was going on with me. Wow. Deep. And then, man, it's, it's, it's some, sometimes what seems to be a tragedy can turn out to be a gift in a way. Oh. I'm not saying cancer is ever a gift, but the silver lining around the cloud has, has really new perspective on my life. You know, I, yeah, I was just going to ask you that if it changed your perspective at all. Not that it needed changed at all, but um, it did in a lot of ways. It did. Really? You know, those actors hmm. caught up in waiting for the next audition and, you know, trying to find new ways and means. And sometimes I would neglect the important things like my family. Right. I'd hmm. call and go down there, but I wouldn't spend any real quality time. I'll go down sometimes. My mom is like an hour away. I'll drive down there and I'll just play cards with her. Yeah. I'll walk her dog. I'll sit, play cards. And I'll just sit and look at her. My mom's 82 years old. I'm not going to have her much longer. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I always loved my mom, but it was it was go down there, you know, stay for a little while and leave, not just sit and play cards and talk and watch television. Right. It was very, it's, it's become a deeper relationship now. Oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. And, 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 you know, just taking really, you know, like you hear one day at a time, enjoying each day. You know, I'm in remission now. I went through stem cell transplant. I was in wow. Sloan Kettering, you know, three weeks and, Wow. You know, I went through 12 chemos, I guess. You know, they told me I coded when I was in the hospital. They didn't tell me until I got out. Oh, my God. I lost all my hair, and I still have a little neuropathy, and I lost massive weight, and I couldn't sleep. And, you know, sometimes my, my feet would tingle, and my hands would tingle, and my fingernails got soft. I had no eyebrows. But Wow. All along, I was getting little signs. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. You know, I didn't get, I didn't get the the, the, the nausea that a lot of people get, or the diarrhea, or yeah, you know, a lot of the other things. You know, I, I was cold for a while. I couldn't warm up during the summer for some reason. But my body was reconstituting. They they take you all the way down to zero immune system, then they put the stem cells back in that they've collected. So right. They totally reformatted my body. They they wipe my hard drive and then <laughs> reformatted yeah, you. Oh, yeah, so no joke. So May 2nd was my birthday. So I had to take time off. Yeah. I let the agency and my management know what I was going through. And they were very gentle. Uh, one agency made a donation to the American Cancer Society. For oh, me nice. In my name. Wow. You know, and then uh, within the last month or so, I've been getting called for these auditions. You know, they didn't even know that I was back and ready to go. They just started calling me. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? We've got an audition for Gotham for you. Okay, wow. we've got an audition for Homeland for you. Okay, we've got a film. We've got an audition for you. Nice, nice. Good to hear. Right on time. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, my. It's good to hear you were able to um, get through that and also get back at you know family and things that you know are obviously really important. I thought the cancer talk hits home because I just lost a cousin to cancer really a you know a couple weeks ago, which was tough. Um, Sorry to it was a tough, 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 tough time. So, um, yeah, it's something that I, uh, you yeah, know, very passionate about too as well. So, um, wow. Good hearing that you were able to, you know, overcome that and keep the good fight going. My God. And to use that on set as a way of kind of building your character as well. My goodness, isn't getting more dedicated than that. That's for sure. I, I didn't know what else to do. Right. Right. didn't know what else to do. I couldn't, you know, 
I could try to fake it, but why fake it when I have all of this same confusion and insanity? You know, I'm insane. You know, what, am I going to die? Am I going to die? Is this going to be my last film? What, what's going to happen to me? This is the same thing I'm going through with her. You know, is she going to die? Am I going to lose her? Yeah. Why not just, just use it in the film? Wow. Why not use it? Let the character, you know, use it. It's real. Right. It's real. Right. You know, not so much that you have to even have to say anything. It's just a look, you know, of, yeah. of uncertainty. Right. My God. And I was able to go and watch the screening, and and it was it was. I took a friend of mine, and it was the first time I saw it. It was it was. I guess that people had seen it already. I, I caught one of my last ones. Mm, and yeah. It was fantastic. It was. Yeah, really well it done. Because yeah. it brought me back to that place. You know, this may be my last piece of work. Wow. Staggering there. Oh, man, the thought of that is just staggering. My God. Um, now, you played a homeless man in uh, Zombies vs. <laughs> Joe Alien and also in Finding Her. And I believe these are two feature films that you uh, recently uh, completed. Now, would you mind yeah. briefly talking about um, both of these roles? And uh, briefly speaking, I don't want to get... I know there's probably a lot. To, but yeah, what were those experiences like for you? It was bitter cold that I was dressed <laughs> I was a homeless guy out with this dog and I named the dog Peaches and I was a homeless guy <laughs> the alien is on spring break and he comes to earth to enjoy spring break but what he doesn't know is he gets here right after the zombie apocalypse has happened nice <laughs> so he thinks that that's what Earth is all about. So these zombies are, he meets a zombie, the zombie bites his hand off, but his hand grows back. You know, he's trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> then he meets a band of rebels who tells him, you know, after they kind of, you know, get to know him a little bit, that they're zombies. So he goes back in time and he runs into this homeless guy. He's trying to find out where this, how this happened. It turned out another alien had come and was, was crazy. Oh my, so, I love that. Crazy. Oh, sounds Sounds so he, he finds me, and I'm sitting in the snow with, with peaches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to peaches and talking to people as they're walking by, and you know, just talking to peaches. And he comes up and asks me, and I say, you know, peaches says you smell funny. You smell like hot dog water and gin. Jeez. <laughs> you know, this is where the library is. I said, the, the library. I said, the library. And I look left, and peaches looks left. I look right. Peaches looks right, looks straight, right over there. <laughs> so it was a bit of a comedic party, you know. It was yeah. fun. It was fun. We ended up, uh, I ended up uh, knocking the alien out so he can capture the alien, you know. And then everybody goes back to being normal. He resets the clock of the Earth, and everything's great. Nice. <laughs> what I remember most about it is how cold it was. It was cold. It's, it's much colder than it is right now. It's cold here now, but. Yeah, but it was cold sitting in the snow with his blanket and his dog, his little pug. Oh pug. my! <laughs> of all things, a pug. That's awesome. <laughs> it sounded like a fun time, though. Sound like a fun time, though. Outside of the cold, sound like a really cool um, experience. It's cool to, to kind of switch it up to. It's kind of like a comedic role, you know. It's obviously, the film's kind of like an action horror comedy, but it's cool yeah. probably playing those different types of characters, especially you know having that mix of like really serious characters it's some gut-wrenching stuff versus you know something that's a little lighter in nature yeah yeah and and finding her was just the opposite yeah i played a homeless guy going through a dumpster and i find the body of a little girl yikes no joke 
the family, the girl was missing and they couldn't find her and they were looking all over the place. And I'm like the neighborhood homeless guy. Wow. And I find her and I, and man, it was, it was heavy duty. But the actors, I don't really remember their names, right? That's a problem with this chemo brain a little bit. Sometimes you forget things, but right, right. It's back. But the actors were phenomenal. Right. Phenomenal. There's a scene where I find her and then the police come and they cordon off the area. And the family comes running out of the house and they block the family off so that they can't go see because she's still in the dumpster. They're trying to get the evidence. They don't want it, you know, to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm running out and they're screaming and they're crying. And the father tries to break through the police line and they stop him and he's just walking in the street with his hands on his head. And the mother breaks down and falls into the street on her knees and the son is walking in circles crying. Oh, my. And once they said cut, we were all crying along with the family. Wow. That's that's how real it was. That's and, powerful. That's and, and again, I said, this is what I want to do. Hell yeah. <laughs> but we know there was a little girl in there. They actually shot a little girl and put her in wow. just for the one quick shot, you know, but it was a doll. Yeah. We all knew it was a doll. You know, you got the cameras and the lights and the <laughs> this and the that and boom and the wires and watch out here and makeup and craft services. You know that it's a movie. You know that it's this fantasy. Yeah. You get caught like that and you're blinking back tears because these people have delivered. Right. Right. They, they, they said cut. They had to walk together back up the ramp and sit on the ground and hold each other and cry. That's how far in they were. Right. By the way, I mean, a lot of actors have said that it's so important to have a giving actor on the uh, on the other end, obviously, uh, of the camera with them. And, and, and I guess that giving actors in general is really necessary. Have you found that to be the case? Make sure that those actors are giving and they really um, become the character. And You know, I pray. I hope and pray that that's the case every time. But, you know, it's just like when you go for an audition, you're reading with somebody who's just reading flat. Yeah. yeah I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, rely on that. It's great when it happens, mm-hmm. you know, but, but sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. Right. Right. You know, I was listening during the break. You played what, what was that you were playing? A little Sinatra. Yeah. It was a little Frank. You can tell, you can tell he's all in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, most people are all in. And he was all in just then. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean when I say all in? You know, oh, I'm, hell yeah. back. I'm putting, you know, Michael Jackson was all in. It's hard to remake a Michael Jackson song. Right, right. Michael's all in. Yeah. You know, James Brown, James is all in. Right. You know, uh, Mariah, uh, Whitney. Yeah. They're, they're all in. They're all in. Luther, they're all in. Right. They're not holding anything back. When they leave, they leave a puddle of sweat, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> right. To find an actor, these actors, they were all in. Yeah. They had the camera, the crafty, the the wardrobe, everybody we were sitting there crying. Oh my. Powerful. Love that kind of cinema right there, sir. My God. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Salute to that. You're gonna get me pacing here in a minute. <laughs> uh, oh, goosebumps. oh i hear you on that yeah me too me too oh, stuff is exciting to say the least and you also wrapped a couple other films oiled up and steps would you mind speaking about them a little bit too as well, well short with uh, eric roberts yeah 
it was fun. It was a short. It was a nice short film. Was a, that was a day when it was like blistering hot out. Oh, interesting. And I had uh, a three-quarter leather jacket, Ooh. work boots, and we were running, <laughs> chasing, <laughs> chasing this guy who owed Eric Roberts money. He sent this out to go get him. So, you know, we've got to pull up in a van and chase this guy down. So yeah. it's never just one take. It's never one take. So in the middle of New York City, uh, like it had to be like 99 degrees just running okay <laughs> back to one back to one okay action okay pull up in a van chase him down up around the alleyway around the block okay cut back to one <laughs> i love that uh, i was working with eric roberts he was a great guy i mean he was very very nice very approachable you know and uh he was funny and you know i like to do the fist pound and he was a great guy he was great to work with oh cool good deal my goodness. Steps. That was a, a good story, too. I've been very fortunate thinking about it, just talking about it out loud. Yeah, you played Dwight in that. Yeah. I played uh, I played a sec- security officer at a um, disabled home. People who had been disabled. The, uh, one of the characters had been shot. Yeah. He had shot one of the lead characters, and it caused him to lose his marriage. You know, he got on drugs and alcohol because of the pain and lost his marriage. Mm-hmm who shot him got shot and ended up in this this um, home. Yeah. When he starts to get back on his feet, he becomes a home health aide, and who do you think he's assigned to take care of? <laughs> shot him. Oh, my. So I'm the um, security at the door watching all this happen as they come in and out and they go through the changes. The uh, original gangster, the one who did the shooting, ends up helping the guy he shot get his son out of a gang. Wow. It was a real, really touching story. Yeah. Sounds pretty intense. Where the father was hugging his son and saying, I love you. And the son says, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. But you could tell that the son had been missing his father. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting in a film where we're watching at the screening and we're tearing up again. What a bunch of little teary-eyed guys we are. <laughs> so tear it up. I'm looking at my friend. I'm going, I know you ain't crying. Meanwhile, I'm wiping. <laughs> I know you ain't sitting up here crying. Tell me you ain't crying. I'm rubbing my nose. And- <laughs> It was, uh, it was another work, you know. I had a scene with this guy named Rudy. He was about 6'3". He called himself a delicate flower. So you know what that <laughs> means, right? I'm a delicate flower. I said, Rudy, your feet too big to be a delicate flower. <laughs> I'm size 12. You can't be no delicate flower with no size 12, Rudy. <laughs> so we had a good time together. We had a good time working together. Nice. Very it good. Story, and it was uh, very well done. Very well done. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. You like features more than shorts, shorts more than features. You like them both equally for different reasons. I like working. Yeah, salute to that. I'll, we'll leave it at that. And last <laughs> year, last year you were in uh, several TV series as well. And that's kind of interesting because it's kind of crazy. You, you had the, you know, you had the 2016 was like all films. And then at 2015, a ton of TV series. But one of my favorites, Daredevil. But uh, yeah, what's the TV world like for you? You know, obviously working on sets a bit different. Briefly speaking, what are some of those differences and you know, what do you appreciate about that uh, platform? I get shy when I'm being spoiled. And that's one thing they, they you know, <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Where we're there, you know, in the trailer and do you, would you like anything? And, yeah. you know, the work is always good. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of takes. The one person who didn't do a lot of takes that I work with was Sidney Lamette. Really? Before, I did 100 Center Street way back. Yeah. You got two shots and that was it. Wow. Turned around and came back and the set was being changed. He was quick, man. Bang. 
Wow. Some things that I've done, they'll do them for hours, the same scene over and over. It's like, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you trying to, what, why are we doing this over? We've done it like 50 times. <laughs> um, depending on who the director is and if they get what they want or if they don't. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite. I, I just like to work. Right. I like to, okay. Okay. I like to be busy. I like to. I don't separate, you know, film from television. I just like the work. I like being on set. It's, it's my passion. Yeah. Good deal. Good stuff. My God. Sometimes I break up with it, but I say, what am I going to do? I if I don't work, I dream. Right. Right. The thing about being in this business, if you don't do it, you'll dream about it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. It kind of haunts you that way. I think so. But you're not doing it even for the slightest period of time it just comes back into you creeps into you you can't even watch like a tv show you can't break away from it it's almost like a, a really strange i don't know it's like a virus that keeps growing inside of you <laughs> you know it's just it keeps spreading and uh oh god i love this cinema thing i it's it's a it's an interesting world to play in let's put it that way <laughs> i love talking to people about it because you know i'm i'm reliving my passion right now you know yeah yeah. I did a film called Slow Jam King, and one of the lines in the uh, movie, talking to this kid, you know, he wanted, this Asian kid, he was like an A student, you know, he wanted to be a pimp, and he, he said it was his calling. Wow. It wasn't really his calling, he just wanted to be, he was one of those kids that wanted to be a tough guy, you ah, know, it's my, it my calling, and this is what I think is what happens if you don't exercise your craft, if you don't work on your talent, on your creativity, your passion, it's your calling. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it'll wake you up out of your sleep sometimes. I, I, I'd wake up and I'd be doing stand-up. Hey, how's everybody doing? Oh, wait a minute. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, good deal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I've got to do something here to you, sir, that I do to all of our guests. And I'm just going to warn you in advance that it's something that I have to do. But I don't know. You may hate me for it. You may uh, You may think it's crazy i'm really not sure how you're gonna take this sir but it's something that i have to do and i've gotta ask you if you are ready for it i mean it's just something i have to do so i'm ready for what oh okay well <laughs> this is the part of the show where i ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves now Sir, this fun fact can be anything you want to share about yourself, but preferably something that people don't know about you. And I'm putting you on the spotlight right now, sir. And the floor is yours. A fun fact. <laughs> I love doing this. A fun fact about me. Is this in my contract? <laughs> <laughs> So to find text. <laughs> uh, oh man, I knew I should have read that contract better. <laughs> um, I've got a wicked sense of humor. I mean, I mean, embarrassing sometimes. <laughs> oh my! But oh yeah, go go a little bit further past. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you: Is there anything that you've done that you'd be willing to share? that might uh, give us some clue as to what that wicked uh, sense of humor produces there. Okay, okay. I don't know if this is a sense of humor or what, okay, but this <laughs> is something. When I went for the audition for the uh, thong dance and rescue me, right, I wore a thong, right? <laughs> Still can't get over so, that. 
So I'm on the train on the way back home. I've done the audition and I'm sitting doing a crossword puzzle on the subway in New York. I'm leaning forward and I see people looking at me. Oh They're looking at what are they looking at? And I didn't realize that my shirt was up and I was doing a Britney Spears muffin top with my thong. <laughs> and I realized and I said, oh, shit. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no way to tell old people what you're doing. You're on your way back from out there. going to listen to you anyway. So I just had to like <laughs> suck it up and go with it. Oh, that's my. not the first time something like that happened. I did a film where I played a drug dealer yeah. who had a secret. He was, uh, he liked to dance and drag in his house. Right. So this was the film. They told me you're willing to do the part. I said, yeah, I'll do it. What the heck? I mean, it's only a character, big deal. But we had to go to the mall and buy the clothing I'd be wearing, you know, like the stockings and the shoes and the, yeah. the uh, teddy and, the, you know, the wig and all. Yeah. So we get the big girl sizes and I take it into the men's room and the director comes with me. So I go into the stall and I put it on. He goes into the next stall, stands on the toilet and looks over top. He goes, yeah, that <laughs> looks good. Turn around. Let me see the back. <laughs> so I show him the back and without... We're not even, we're in a public restroom. When we come out, there's people standing, there's dudes standing there watching us like, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I've got a sense of humor, and I don't mind being the butt of the joke sometimes. Oh, salute to that. That's, that's the best thing about jokes, though. It's, it's good when you're the butt of the joke sometimes. And people that can take a good joke are often the ones with the biggest sense of humor. I'm the same way I'm kind of cynical in my joking too as well and i could be sarcastic sometimes but i i like to make people laugh and like to be ripped on sometimes too i rip on myself sometimes so i hear, yeah. <laughs> hear you on that that's a that's a good fun fact i appreciate you sharing that with our i don't uh, think i know anybody in la right now so i'm okay with this <laughs> <laughs> uh, good deal uh, good stuff well i appreciate you though sharing that uh Fun fact with us. My God, I'm, I'm trying to get those images out of my head right now, though. God, jeez, that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Go get a drink. Go get a drink. Or two. Killing me here. Uh, Rescue Me, episode five. It's called uh, Wheel. <laughs> oh, Rescue Me, episode five, I think it's called Wheel. Season oh. five, episode five, I think Wheels. Oh, my. If anyone has a screenshot. Oh, but they can't find you on social media, though. They can't tweet it to you. I was going to say they tweet it to you, so... Nope. Just, old school, baby see, that's, boy. Old it's wrong. School. Nope. You're wrong for that. See, you're wrong for that. Uh, can't even <laughs> yeah, have <any> okay. <laughs> yeah, you just got me. Now I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we are approaching the uh, end of the program, and I want to say I really appreciate you staying as long as you did. Obviously, you know I've, uh, oh, you know, if, uh, thank, you for, yeah, well, thank you much. Really yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's it's my pleasure uh, having you on the, this program. But before we wrap. You know, feel free to plug anything that you wish. How can people get in touch with you? Are you open to uh, folks reaching out to you at all? I know some people are, some people aren't, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to plug anything that you would like. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want people emailing you? Some people don't, and that's fine if that's the, the case. That's... I have a, I have a, I have a, a gmail.com. Okay love 2000 gmail.com okay good deal well i have to have a number out that's not gonna happen oh no 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 absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> by the way folks his number is no, 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 just <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not but uh 
<laughs> yeah, and, but I had to ask because I know some people are open to you know folks reaching out to them, or you know there may be someone listening to this particular podcast that may want to cash in something too as well. So that's your thought. Yeah, so you know, I just want to give it the right email address. And- <laughs> no, that's a DK Love two thousand. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, good stuff. Great there. I want to ask you one more thing here before we wrap this up. And I know there's some folks that might be listening to this podcast and maybe they want to do what you're doing right now, but maybe they don't have the resources because that often happens, or maybe they just don't have, you know, the courage to you know, step forward and to create these opportunities. Is there any advice that you would give that individual right now that might be listening? Work. So anything you can do. If you can do community theater. If you can do, you know, if you do community theater, if you go to these, these universities, these colleges, you'll get an education. They'll tell you back to one. They'll, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll teach you what you need to know to get you going and let you see if you really want to do this. This isn't for everybody. It's not for everybody. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into this. You know, you this is like therapy in a lot of ways. You have to go places sometimes that you may not want to go. Right. You know, uh, when I was in acting class, you know, I had issues with my father growing up and I broke down and then start crying in acting class. And my acting teacher came over and sat with me. You know, she talked to me and, you know, do you really want to do this? Yes, I do. Well, this is part of what we do. We've got to rip the scabs off sometimes, you know, take a local. If you're just starting out, you know, do some community theater. Go to their colleges and see if they need somebody to do a reading of a play. Students get assignments. We need you to do a short script with time sequences. We want you to start in the middle, go to the end, then go to the beginning, which doesn't make sense to us, but they have an assignment and they need someone to read it so that the teacher can tell them, the professor can tell them if they did it right or not. So they bring actors in and we read. We get to learn how to see when you when you go for an audition or you're, you're, you're reading a script, when you're in front of people, there's a right way to hold the paper. If you hold it in front of yourself so you can see it, they can't see your face. So you learn how to hold it flat in your hand. You drop your eye down, you pick up the line, and you say the line. You get to learn how to do and how to practice these things while you're in community theater or in a university, you know, so that once you go out and you go to an audition, they know how you hold the paper if you know what you're doing or not. Right. If right. I hold the paper up in front of my face and I say the line, then I look up, then I say the line and I look up, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Hold mm-hmm. the paper flat in my palm. I drop my eye down, pick up the line, look up, and then say the line, especially for a cold read. Do you know what a cold read is? Right. Do you know mm-hmm. what back to one means? Do you, do you know do a pickup? There, there's all sorts of lingo that we can learn if, we, if we're if willing to work for free. Right. If we're willing to do a, a $20 show, you know, anything. But the most important thing is to work. To work. Salute to, to that. Work. That is excellent advice right there. And... Sir, I want to thank you again for coming on this show today and sharing your story with our listeners. Thank I, you. Oh gosh, it's been a treat, and I certainly would love to bring you back again, you know, for an update here in the near future because you know you're somebody who puts in the work, as you said, and yeah, I'd love to bring you back and uh, get an update from you. Sure, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, it has been my pleasure. And uh, on that note, I think it's time to. Uh, fade out here what do you think i think it's time thank you fantastic well ladies and gentlemen that was dk bowser my gosh make sure you check out his work if you haven't already done so yet folks my gosh (laughs) (laughs) you see you got me saying all kinds of crazy stuff (laughs) and uh on that note we will be back with more 
after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole and I host this show. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time. If you're listening to the show, please subscribe. Just press that subscribe button in iTunes or if you're using that podcast app, subscribe to us. We would greatly appreciate that. Also, please spread the word about this show. Show someone the uh, Twitter account we've got there, Cinema After Dark, or show them our website at cinemaafterdark.com. Again, thank you all for tuning in tonight. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and on TuneIn, so you can listen to us one of many ways. Again, thanks for listening to this show. We'll be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the show here tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest tonight, Mr. D.K. Bowser. What a great, great discussion that was. Hopefully you found it as enlightening as I did. I really enjoyed talking with that gentleman. I also want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Obviously, this show is not a show without you, the listeners. With that said, dream big, be humble, work hard, and stay focused. Good night, everyone. And now, before the next show starts, let's enjoy an intermission. You'll find our snack bar chock full of good things to eat and drink. Tasty, tempting hot dogs, thirst-quenching soft drinks, fresh, crunchy popcorn, a complete assortment of delicious candy, and a full line of cigarettes. You've plenty of time, so visit the snack bar now. A tasty treat will double your enjoyment of the show. For your convenience, we shall keep you informed of the remaining intermission time. Three minutes before the next show starts. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby.